0: Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. This episode is sponsored by GoDaddy.com, the world's largest web host and domain name registrar, with domains as low as $1.99 and hosting for less than $5 a month. Enter promo code STUFF10 at checkout and save 10% off your entire order. Get your piece of the internet at GoDaddy.com.
1: Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh. I'm Chuck. The red light is on. Do we have one of those? No, we need one now. Yeah, we totally do. It's usually just a, uh, you know, we hear our producer Jerry pressing a button. Right. And then we know to go. Yeah. We just start talking like talking monkeys. It's like a German, uh, the German train system. It's very efficient. Yes, it is, Chuck. Chuck, as you know, it's been an altogether rotten day so far, right? Yeah, hasn't been our best. And what is it, like three Three thirty in the afternoon. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So, um, ho- luckily, it'll be over soon enough. Yes. And it's Friday. Um, I- I'm even worse than I was before because rather than getting my usual Fresca, I got a Diet Cherry Coke by accident. And right. you know, all-, all respect to the Coca Cola company, they've done really well for themselves. But Diet Cherry Coke is a- atrocious. I like that you're suffering through it anyway. Rather, than I opened wasting it. You know, it. I'm, mm-hmm. I've got to, I've got to make do. But um, honorable. You know, as bad as our day has been, right? Yeah. I can tell you somebody whose day was even worse. Who's that? How's that first segue? that's good. I actually just set up the setup for the podcast. What do you think? You're blowing my mind. Um there's this woman named uh Patricia Whitebull. Uh-huh. And she was a Cochiti Indian from outside of Albuquerque, New Mexico. And back when she was a lovely young 28, she was giving birth to her fourth child, uh-huh. a son named Mark. And uh she was giving birth via C-section, and there were complications in the surgery. And uh, Mrs. Whitebowl uh, developed a, a blood clot in her lung, and it actually cut off oxygen to her brain, and she lapsed into a coma. Wow. Okay. So comas actually happen. They can happen fairly frequently. They're not uncommon. Right. But M- Mrs. Whitebull's type of coma actually very rare she was in a coma for 16 years holy cow which is that's really that's a long time to be in a coma it is Uh uh-huh so um there are other people out there like her um have you heard of uh sunny von bulow yeah reversal of fortune sure yeah so she's been in a coma for 19 years really Uh uh-huh and a couple years back actually she was moved from this um very very expensive um care facility to a slightly less expensive one. It was estimated that her family was spending about half a million dollars on her care as well as uh, hairstylists and right. manicures and stuff like that. So they finally had to say, we got to move you, Ma. Right. Um, was she in the coma from the attempted murder? Yes. Really? Allegedly by her husband, Klaus von Bülow. Right. who recently passed away, correct? Actually, um, it was she who passed away. Oh, okay. She did. Um, and this is actually kind of common. I'm not sure how she passed away, but, uh, people in comas sometimes, uh, pass away from pneumonia or something like that. It's right. their, their body's not functioning very well. So right. they can succumb to things like that. Well,
0: apologies for not being up on my, uh, Von Bulo
1: history. Hey, same here, pal. It's okay. Things move pretty fast in this crazy world of ours. They do. So back to, uh, Mrs. Whitebull, um, while Mrs. Von Bulo never woke up, Mrs. Whitebull actually did. After 16 years, this is amazing. This is exceedingly rare. Wow. Uh, rarer than a 16-plus year coma is waking up from a 16-plus year coma. Basically, um, she woke up one day while her uh, one of her caregivers was adjusting the sheets on her bed. Really? And she lifted her head and shouted, don't do that, and wow. scared, I imagine, the daylights out of this woman. Oh, Anna, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, after that, she was writing notes to her family. She uh-huh. called her mother to say Merry Christmas. This happened in December 1999. Jeez. Um, and within like a month, she was at a mall. She wanted to see you know, how the world had changed. So she went to a mall. She went to a mall. It's actually a pretty good place to start. Yeah, you're right. Because, I mean, back when she fell into a coma, Reagan had just started his second term. Right, right. Um, they're, they're just think about how much the world changed between 1984 and 1999. Right, no kidding. And she woke up just in time to get nervous for Y2K. Yeah. You know? Good timing. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. Isn't that a, it's kind of an uplifting story. Yeah, we could end it right here and I would be happy, probably. I would too, actually. But we're not. Yeah. So, you want to talk about comas then? I think so. I I take it from that solicitation? Yes. All right. Well, uh, Chuck, let me start. Okay. Because I haven't spoken enough so far. I I agree. I'm just going to kick it off with coma, comes Uh from the Greek word coma, appropriately enough. Right, with a K. With a K. That's the big distinction. And that word is to sleep in the uh, Greek dialect. Uh huh. Um, And that's actually pretty misleading, isn't it? It is, because.
0: When you're asleep, you can wake up, and if you're in a coma, you're not waking up. You don't respond to
1: stimuli like, uh, you know, sight or motor function, stuff like that. Yeah. And so you can sit there and shout all day at a coma patient. They're not waking up. Right. Um, they also don't respond to pain stimuli. True. Um, they're, they're they're just basically out. Right. But the brain, uh, functions. Part of it does, right? Right. Okay. So, um, we should probably talk about the brain to understand a coma. You kind of have to have a, a minor understanding of the brain right a um, major understanding yeah. major understanding exactly um, so we've got basically three parts yes. that that work to make us these you know talking monkeys that we are right um you got the cerebrum cerebellum and the brain stem uh-huh. uh and they communicate with one another so your cerebrum what, that's your higher brain
0: Yeah, that uh, controls things like uh, emotion, uh, memory, intelligence, personality. Reason. Learning. Context. Yeah, it's what most people think of when they think of the brain. Uh, All that good stuff's in there. Right. And it's the
1: largest part, too. And then you've got the cerebellum, which is in charge of balance and movement. Right. Also very important. And then the most ancient part of the brain, um, evolutionarily speaking, is the brain stem. Right. This is like the basic Mm -hmm. part of the brain. It controls like um, breathing blood pressure, right. bowel movements, actually. Yeah, body, bodily functions. Exactly. So um, you put all these together, and you've got us, intelligent, reasoning, pooping humans. Yeah, wrap right? a skull around it and some skin, and uh, you've got a human. Exactly. Um, and all these things have to kind of communicate right. with one another, and they do so through the thalamus. Uh-huh. Um, and they send chemical signals to one another um, that makes your lungs uh, um, inflate and deflate and makes you think, this person's making fun of me or they're after me or something. Right. Um, there, there's all this stuff combined, as you said, makes us this way. If they stop talking to one another, mm-hmm. you got yourself an altered state of consciousness. Exactly. And there's quite a few of those. Yeah. You want to talk about some of the other altered states? Uh, well,
0: yeah. There's the vegetative state that a lot of people um get confused with coma. It's not exactly the same thing. Uh, and a vegetative state is actually a type of coma, um, but you're generally awake but unresponsive. So your eyes can be open. Uh, but you're still unresponsive.
1: It is generally confused with with coma because it usually comes after a coma. Correct. Um, These people like uh, Mrs. Whitebowl and Mrs. Von Bulo, who were in comas for dozens of years or tens of years, um, were uh, in a vegetative state after X amount of time. Right. So if you're in a coma and you go into a vegetative state, you're probably in a lot of trouble. You're probably not going to come out of it. Right. Um, you, You... some part of your brainstem responds to stimu- stimuli, like maybe a, uh, a sound. So all of a sudden your eyes, um, which are no longer coordinated, so they're kind of lolling around but both in the same direction toward the sound. Uh-huh. But there's no awareness of it. You're not... You're not using any of your higher brain function to figure exactly. out what the sound is. It's just like a, a basic response,
0: right? Your eyes can move. I believe there could be like yawning, even you can yeah. yawn. Yeah. if you're you in a can vegetative blink state, and that kind of thing. Blinking. And
1: the the one real um, hallmark of a vegetative state is people in it have sleep cycles. So so you know during the day they're diurnal still. During the day they will you know blink or their eyes will loll about in their head or t- they'll turn their their head towards something. Um, and then at night, they're not doing that. They're sleeping. Sure. And in a coma, you're just, you just appear to be sleeping the whole time. Exactly. So that's one. There's another one that is one of my particular favorite altered states of consciousness. Stupor? <clears throat> that actually scared me. Okay. Apparently, if you are whacked out of your skull on drugs and you're in a stupor, you're like one or two steps away from comatose. Yeah. It it, it it's all the same process is going on. It's uh-huh. just I guess to a slightly different degree. Right, but that's you... that's alarming. It, yeah, it is. You know. So watch out, buddy. <laughs> I, I'm watching out. But I, I distracted you. I knew, I knew which one you were going to talk about. You just like to say stupor. I do. Um th- the one I like the most is locked-in syndrome. Yeah. I, I can't believe I just said that. I the, the one I like the most. The one you find most fascinating. Thank you, Chuck. Locked in syndrome, um, is basically where you're, uh, you can move, your higher brain is, f- or you can't move. You're totally aware though. Your higher brain is functioning. Exactly. You are literally locked into your body. Um, and basically the only thing you can move are your eyes, typically. Right. And, uh, that's like, uh, Jean Dominique Bobie. Uh-huh. From uh, The Diving Bell and the Butterfly. Right,
0: which is a great movie. We were just talking with uh, Jerry, our producer, beforehand. We've both seen the film. It's really, really, really great. But you have not because you're too busy watching Magnum PI. Quiet you. Yeah.
1: I have. Uh, I know enough about the uh, the story uh, when it came out. You know, I listened to NPR and they sure. talked about that like seven days in a row, I yeah, think. Yeah, it's really good. <clears throat> but the guy, because he could move his eyes, he had a uh, computer software system that mm-hmm. he, he could type with it yeah but he he and he wrote a book in his in this locked in state yes right and um he typed every single letter of this book by looking at at the by uh, choosing like a keyboard yeah. right or from from like a, a computer screen keyboard i believe that's what happened that's nuts but yeah. i mean imagine that imagine being locked in i know and knowing exactly what was going on i know very frustrating i imagine it's very much like the metallica video one except that guy could move right which was from the film Johnny Got His Gun, I think. Thank you. Wow.
0: Very nice. My fountain of film knowledge today.
1: So those are a couple of other altered states of consciousness in case you're interested. If not, you should have fast-forwarded through the last, what, minute and a half? Yeah. Maybe two. Um, and we're back to coma again. Mm-hmm. Okay, so somebody falls into a coma. How, how does this happen? What are some of the ways you can become comatose?
0: Well, there's a bunch of ways. Um, one way is uh, from brain injury, obviously. Um, if you have severe head trauma, you can get an impact that actually makes your brain move within your skull. And uh, I know that if your brain actually hits your skull, that's what a uh, concussion is, correct? I believe so. But something more severe than that can uh, cause uh, nerve, uh, blood vessels and nerve fibers to swell up. And that can potentially cut off the flow of uh, blood and, therefore, oxygen to the brain. And that's when you're in trouble.
1: You want your skull to be stationary at all times. Yes, Or or you want your brain to be stationary at all times in your skull. Yes. That's just not good when it slaps around in there. No, it's not. So uh, you can also become comatose if you have diabetes. Right. Diabetes, um, certain diseases
0: like meningitis can make it happen. Drug overdose can make it happen. Yeah. Although I believe you told me they don't even know exactly how that happens. That I, right?
1: I don't know how it happens. I okay. couldn't find out what leads to it. The The way I took it was that there is a, um, it slows your response. Uh uh-huh. Um, it maybe it slows the oxygen to your brain or the flow of oxygen to your brain or it just relaxes muscles that need to be working. I, I don't know. This I is sense- literally off the top of my head. Right. right.
0: Now. I sense a neurosurgeon, uh, email in the near future to clean this up so. for us. Yeah, I hope Cause so. We Cause like wanna know. Stuff.
1: But yeah, there are, there are plenty of ways that you can slip into a coma. And actually, you can slip into a coma. You can go through stages of altered consciousness. Right. And then end up comatose, which is the granddaddy worst one of all. Exactly. Uh, although I don't know, locked in is probably worse. Right, but it um, can happen gradually. That's a good point. Which or is where it can the term happen very quickly, like right. you know, uh, through a major concussion, mm-hmm. through a car accident, or something like that. Uh, if you slipped into a diabetic coma, that would happen gradually, usually.
0: Right, exactly. You might get feverish and uh, dizzy and lethargic, and then all of a sudden you're in a coma, which is frightening. It is. Do you have diabetes? No, me neither. I might one day though. I think my father got it later in his life. Is it genetic? I don't know. I sent another letter from a uh, person with diabetes <laughs> to clear that up.
1: At this point, we could just start asking questions. We and should then re- do do like a, a twenty minute reader mail segment, you right? Know, just correcting ourselves every time. That's a good idea. All right. So, what do you do if you're in a coma? I mean, here, let me just say one thing real quick. After researching comas, uh, you know how when you have a, a heart attack, uh huh, your your heart actually isn't stopped. It's it's gone out of its rhythmic beat. Sure. So when you are um, zapped, right, when they when they hit you with the paddles, uh-huh. what they're doing is actually stopping your heart to give it a chance to restart. Right. With a coma, it seems like the the pattern of of um, of discussion between the different parts of your brain that make you conscious and aware, um, they it's been interrupted, but we don't know how to zap it back into place. Exactly. That's a good way to say it. But you know, I mean, you still have to care for these people. Exactly. You you can't just say, well, you know, we don't really know how to do anything to make you better. Right. There are some ways. Drug overdose. Uh, if you keep if you sustain someone's life processes, they can come out after the drug begins to wear off. Or same with alcohol poisoning. Right. Di- uh, a, a diabetic coma. They, they often can be treated. Do, yeah. Uh-huh. But one say like from a major brain injury, you may be in big trouble. Right. Or
0: stroke. Sure. I think the first thing that has to happen is a doctor has to determine whether or not you're actually in a coma. That's the first step.
1: Yeah, how do they do that?
0: Well, there's a couple of um, a couple of scales they use to determine your level of alertness, and uh, one is from Glasgow. It's called the Glasgow Coma Scale.
1: Oh, is that how it said? It there's no accent associated with
0: it? I'm not going to try my <laughs> Scottish accent today. <laughs> okay. And then there's the Rancho Los Amigos scale. No, no. I'm not going to do that either. No, all right, we're going to remain respectful in this one. And uh, basically, the doctors use these two scales, and there's varying tests of. Uh, responsiveness with your eyes, uh, verbal responses, motor responses to various stimuli. Mm-hmm. And so um, they do this to determine, they use both of these scales actually uh, to, to basically gauge how alert you are and whether or not you're in fact in a coma. So is it like
1: a they just clap loudly next to your ears and command you to sit up or something like that?
0: Uh, I would say so. I mean, they use um, like, do your eyes open when someone speaks to you? Mm-hmm. Uh, do yours, Do your eyes open when there's pain involved? So there's all kinds of little ways that they can check, and yeah,
1: they, I guess they want to determine whether you're in a coma or whether you're just you know resting your eyes or playing possum, right. because of what comes after that.
0: Right, and they well they assign you a score in a range from three to 15, right? Uh, three being a very deep coma, and 15 being uh, Us like, right now, right? Yeah, I'm about 14, but
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we've established you're in a coma, uh-huh. It's awful. You're a three. Right. All right. So you are just completely dead to the world, but you're still alive, amazingly.
0: Right. That would be comatose and unresponsive, is the official classification of
1: that deep of a coma. Okay. So you're in there. Um. If you're in a car injury, what they're going to do, they're going to triage your symptoms, your problems. Right. So if you're in a, a car wreck or something, you have injuries from that. They're going to, you know, control the bleeding, that kind of thing. Yeah. They want to stabilize everything else first. Right. Or not but first, but you know, once you're once you're stable though, um and you're still in a coma, you they, you can't care for yourself any longer. So they it's kind of like they're going to poke around to determine what the cause is, maybe. They'll use an EEG electroencephalography. Right,
0: or MRI or fMRI, which right. is uh, basically an MRI for the brain. Right. Or a CT scan,
1: which is uh, computed tomography. Right now, they they'll use all these things to basically either look inside. An EEG actually is basically um, kind of like hooking into your electrical system and checking out, you know, what how the impulses are doing. Right, and they'll diagnose, you know, maybe what caused the coma, that kind of thing. So once once you, once you're stabilized, diagnosed in a coma, you know, you've you've been given the scale rating. Um, and you're in for the long haul, clearly. Right, you're stable. Yeah, they're they're gonna basically use machines to care for you, like feeding tubes. Right. Um, uh, oftentimes somebody in a prolonged coma or a vegetative state, uh, they'll perform a, a tracheotomy. Sure. So they don't have to intubate you, um, because after a while, the intubation tube, I imagine, gets real, you know, uncomfortable. Right. If that actually so much so that it, you you would prefer a hole in the throat. Right. Yeah. Did and you know, uh, let me, as a little sorry. aside, one of my best friends, a guy named uh, Jens Beatty, in sixth grade, uh, his mom started choking uh, in a restaurant uh-huh. and actually had an emergency tracheotomy with a steak knife and a pen wow. performed on her. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there was a doctor there who did it and he just went, whoosh, holy and cow, she was breathing again. That's a worst-case scenario right there. She used to have this little scar. I'm, still, she, I'm sure she still does. But uh, wow. it was crazy. Yeah, it's the only person I ever knew who had an emergency tracheotomy at this I thought night. that was something
0: just, you, you know, you get on the ER or house or something. Exactly, like yeah.
1: It happens. It happens. Uh, so
0: back to comas, another thing that, that <laughs> yeah. is often done is uh, physical therapy just to keep the muscles moving. Um, they'll, they'll, you know, the nurses will move the patient to prevent bed sores and then move the muscles, flex the legs to uh, keep, you know, atrophy from setting in. Right.
1: Or if you're Uma Thurman, you can do a really focused, you know, um, regime. Right. Within an eight hour period, and you'll be walking again, right? True. Yeah. So, um, wow, we need to bring this down a little bit, don't we? I think so. Yeah. Because researching it, I've. I it's when you f- really get a grasp on comas mm-hmm. the, and the, the, the peculiar nature of them and just the fact that we have no way to bring somebody out of a coma Right. It, it's kind of heartbreaking to think that there are families out there who go to the hospital every day or every week Hoping. And, and yeah and you hope because there's people like Patricia Whitebull right. uh, who sit up all of a sudden and there you have it you know somebody can come out of a, a long coma it's That's rough. True. I've got a study for you
0: that might encourage you a bit. I'd love to hear it. It's from 2006. It's from uh, Dr. Adrian Owen of Cambridge University, a neuroscientist. And he's trying to determine a consciousness meter uh, for people in comas and vegetative states. So what he does is he hooks uh, a normal, healthy person up to uh, an fMRI machine, which Mm -hmm. I know you understand how that works,
1: right? Well, basically it it uses magnetic imaging Mm -hmm. to see through the skull. Um, and basically, it's watching the brain, and it's watching the electrical activity in the brain. Okay. So if, you know, the the prefrontal cortex lights up when you tell somebody to, you know, um, when somebody sees a bunny, you'll know that the prefrontal cortex is involved in, okay. in taking cuteness into context or something. Wow.
0: That's, I'm impressed. Oh, thanks. So he'll hook up a, a healthy person and then someone in a coma or vegetative state and ask them to... Do something like, imagine playing a game of tennis, I believe is what he used on this one woman. Mm-hmm. And he found that um, the brain activity was really similar for both of these people, which led him to believe that uh, there may be a lot more brain activity going on in some of these uh, different states of mind. So, yeah, that,
1: that pretty much flatly contradicts our understanding of vegetative states. True, but it also, this was one, one person
0: I believe that it was successful in, and I'm, I'm sure there's been subsequent studies since, but... He himself said that, you know, we need to keep studying this kind of thing before we make any determinations. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We need to uh, basically figure out how to bring people out of comas. Right.
0: But it does happen.
1: You can well, come out of a coma. Yeah, no, you, you totally can't. You can't bring someone out of a coma. But I think they
0: said that uh, uh, 87% who score a three or four on the, on the scale within the first 24 hours – are likely to either die or remain in the vegetative state, so that's no good. No. And but on the other side, eighty seven percent who score between eleven to fifteen are likely to make a good recovery, so
1: Well it makes sense. I mean if you can, you know, shake somebody's hand when they tell you to, right. You're probably gonna make it. But apparently it's those first twenty four hours are really telling. Yeah, I would imagine so. So that's that's comas, huh? That's my understanding of comas. The great medical mystery that still remains. yes, Solved one day. Maybe. Hope so. All right. Chilling. Uh, Chuck, you want to do listener mail? Yeah, let's do listener mail. And I'm starting to separate
0: listener mail into different categories the, now. The
1: cream from the rest of the crop, as it exactly. were? Exactly. The
0: men from the boys? Well, just more like a good the way women to... women from the girls? <laughs> Shut it. Um, so, first of all, we've decided to change this one part to Stuff We Should Know. This is instead of corrections. A lot of times they're not an actual correction, but... Something a listener has added that we did not realize. And, uh, or
1: Stuff We Should Have Known.
0: Stuff We Should Have Known. We can call it that. But that, that actually came from Brian Smith of California, suggested we call it that.
1: Yeah, we are actively following our listeners' commands right. at this point. So,
0: Brian, we appreciate the, uh, the title there, and we're going to use that now. So, something we did miss in the body armor episode. We talked about a lot of the kinds of body armor, which was good. But we failed to mention one new, yeah. uh, very awesome one called Dragon Skin Armor. And apparently these are little small overlapping ceramic discs, sort of like the medieval uh, scale mail, and um, it's just a modern version essentially, and it's yeah. more effective from uh, repeated hits from a bullet. So a lot, quite a few people sent this in. Uh, Michael uh, Shivitz, uh, retired naval officer, mm-hmm. or I don't know about officer, but retired U.S. Navy. Uh, Reno Marino, or Rene Marino. <laughs>
1: from Brooklyn, and uh, Devin Montes in California, and I'm sure we missed a few others. But Yeah, we actually got a lot of uh, mail about the dragon scales. And I have to say I find it comforting to know that we're advancing True. Uh, light years now. Right,
0: and I have one more quick one, and this is uh, apropos to our topic today of comas. Uh, John Mulqueen is a doctor in Massachusetts, mm-hmm. and John wrote in and said, uh, I thought it would never happen, but I heard a mistake on Stuff You Should Know. Uh, exorcism, apparently, you said, this is not me, you said that uh, someone with epilepsy, you could throw somebody in an MRI machine and look at the parts of the brain and see that someone is epileptic. And John says that actually you would not see epilepsy in an MRI. Seizures are diagnosed with an EEG machine, which is what we just spoke about. So, Gotcha. We appreciate that correction. Yeah, thank you. Is he, from, uh, is he from Farmington? Framingham? <laughs> no, he's from Gardner, Mass.,
1: well, XXOO to all of our listeners who sent mail, and you too can send mail. You can send it to uh, StuffPodcast at HowStuffWorks.com. And i got to tell you, there's plenty more information on comas in the great article on the site called How Comas Work. Just type those three little words into our handy search bar at, of course, HowStuffWorks.com.